How many of you love the Word of God? It, it is so good to eat the Word of the Lord and what it does in our lives and how it changes us. Let's ask God to bless this Word. Father, would you speak to us into the depths of our soul, our mind, our heart, and show us, Lord God, how to love with all that we have. The kind of love that you loved us with, may we learn to love that way back to you and to others. We thank you for that now in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning I want to speak to you about loving God, uh, a radical love. We've not, we've not reached that yet. How many of you know it? How many of you know that we've got room to grow in loving God? We have got to learn to love God in an unashamed manner, in a, in a bold manner. And I want to share a very bold message with you on how to do that. If you'll turn to Mark chapter 12, a scribe came to test Jesus. And in Mark chapter 12, this scribe said in verse 28, which commandment's the most important of all? You know the answer to this, don't you? We've studied this a number of times. It's the most important summary that Jesus gives of the law. And so he asks, what's the most important commandment? Jesus responds and he says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. So loving God with all that you are is going to produce something of a benefit to somebody else. How many of you know that? So you don't want to get this out of order. You can love other people. There's a lot of religions that teach you how to love other people. There's good movements and moral movements and folks loving each other. But if, if, if you're not loving God first, that love towards other is not going to be as effective as it could be. So if we would love God with all, 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 and that's what Jesus is capitalizing on here. He says all, with all. And the word all means, guess what? all lacking nothing it's it's not 99 percent. it's a hundred percent it's not 95 it's not 87 it's not your best effort it's all and i'm going to be hard on us today because i don't think anybody in this room has loved god with all with all we're too comfortable we've got it all compared to other societies so Let's get it right. If you think you're loving God with all you've got, then what are you still doing here? I figured you'd be transformed right now, right in the appearance of God. You'd be just out of here. You'd be Enoch, just boom. But you're still here. He says with all, all. It's not divided. It's not lacking. He says all your heart. And you shall love the Lord your God with all all of your heart. Your heart is defined. It's cardia in the Greek. It means your intellect, your emotions, and will. Are you loving God with your entire intellect? How many of you are just studying the Word of God? You can't get enough of the Word. You're going deep in the Word. You're studying Old Testament, New Testament. You're studying church history. You want to know intellectually what God is doing, what God is saying. I want to understand what God's doing in the earth today. My emotions are enraptured, caught up. I've given God all my heart. I'm giving Him my best effort. That's why when we worship, it's a full-bodied worship. I give Him my hands. I give Him my feet. I give Him my voice. You're emotionally wrapped up in Jesus. 
And is your will released to do what he asks you to do? That's your whole heart, all of your heart. And then what about all of your soul? Your soul is your identity. God breathed into Adam and made him a living soul. He became a son of God. He was living in the image of God. We fell and became fallen, but now we have a new identity in Christ Jesus, and we're to love Him with our whole identity. Do you understand who you are in Christ Jesus? Are you grasping that you're adopted in Christ, you're a son of God, and what that means, are you loving God as a son of God? Do you know you're forgiven? Do you know you're uh, reconciled unto God? You're in the beloved. Are you loving God with that power and that anointing? Ephesians 1.17, Paul says that he's praying for the church that they may know the power that God has behind them for all that he wants them to do. Come on, are we loving God with our soul, with our whole identity as Christians? Most of you are operating undercover in your Christianity. Some of us are operating week to week in our Christianity. That's not your identity. If you're a son of God, you're a son of God 24-7. No matter who you're talking to or where you're at president may walk in the room give him honor but you still know you're a son of god amen and he goes on and he says with your whole mind your thoughts your thought life are we honoring god with our thought life or does it wander too often and then with all your strength amen Whew. I am beat. How many of you are just dead tired because yesterday you gave 100% to the cause of the kingdom of God? See what I'm saying? Not not that you can't live a life and have children and a job and a family and everything, but give 100%, right? You give 100% in your job as unto the Lord. Now you're giving your strength to God. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely in your whole spirit, soul, and body would be kept blameless till the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what Paul's prayer is that the Holy Spirit's going to sanctify you. I like the NIV. It says through and through. Through and through what? Through your body, through your soul, through your spirit. He is saturating us in our identity as children of God. And in that, we're learning to love God. My soul loves God. My spirit loves God. My body loves God. Everything I am, every fiber of my being loves God. What a benefit. And when we love God like that, everybody around us benefits. Because I will love them as I love myself because I love myself because of who I am in Christ Jesus. Not because there's anything in me of great value other than the value of the Spirit of God. That's my value. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Being shaped into the image of Jesus. And so we're being sanctified. This is a progressive work. How many of you know that? How many of you are doing better than you were last year? Anybody? A few of you. Good. Amen. Some of you were doing better last year. It's okay. It's a new day. Hallelujah. Thank God. We're going to give it our all. Give it our all. You see, 
Sanctify means he's going to sift, he's going to separate. Sanctify means to set aside something as holy. And so he's going to begin the process, as the Word of God says, that it rightly divides. It's like a two-edged sword cutting between the soul and spirit. He's penetrating, sanctifying your body so that you'll serve your body in the things of God and separate them from the foolish things of this world. You're going to serve your soul, your intellect, your emotions, your will, your spirit. You're going to separate all this, all of who you are. He's doing this work so that you will love Him and pour out that love to Him in greater measure and greater delight. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, we've got a couple here celebrating their 68th wedding anniversary. You know, I don't think... Amen. Yeah. They have a sanctified love. That love's been separated and and produced in them that I don't think they probably bother with the things that bothered them the first and second year of marriage. You know what I'm talking about? You just know how to get along. You know how to move in that uh, after a while. That love is just there. You uh, You can communicate without even speaking. How many of you are communicating with God? How many of you know that God loves you? You just, you know, you just have a knowledge that God is with you. God is for you. God is not against you. The devil rails against you. He lies. He says things and he gets other people to say things. But you just know your identity in him. You love him. That love is producing so much in you that you've got so much to give. You can't contain it. It is so good, and that's what God is doing. And he says, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Paul says in Colossians 3.17, whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. Just love him. Just love him. Love God, whatever you do. You're a garbage collector, pick up the garbage unto Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Right? Got some mothers here with little kids. That diaper, glory to God. It's a wave offering unto Jesus Christ. Wave it, wave it, hallelujah, praise God for this child. Everything's working fine, oh boy. Come on, everything you begin, can you you understand that when you begin to redeem every moment back unto God in love, right? Whatever anybody does unto you, you're redeeming it back. You have power to redeem every situation back unto God in love, to give Him your all, amen? Amen? And that's what God is asking of us. He says, come on people, give, give. I want to share something with you. It's called the 40% rule. When you think you've had enough and you can't give anymore, I want to teach you what's called the 40% rule. Jesse Itzler, he's a, a writer of Big Think and he does videos and all this kind of stuff. He, he was involved in a 100-mile race, a marathon. And uh, he was running alongside another guy 260 pounds navy seal when they got to the 70th mile see he looked over this guy guys that are 270 pounds don't usually run a hundred mile marathons they're not built for it you know what i'm saying they're 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 not long distant runners but he looked next to the he looked at this guy at his 70th mile and he saw and he found out that the guy had broken every bone in his feet all the small bones in his feet were broken and he had kidney damaged when he finished the race i thought how did you do this this guy's wealthy so you know what he did he hired the guy to come live with him for three months 
He said, I want to know how to give like you give. I want to know how to pour out like you pour out. He said, would you live with me for three months? And he did. And what this guy taught him was the 40% rule. Navy SEALs are trained that when you hit the 40%, when your mind usually gives out at 40%, runners usually are ready to quit. You know, if they're running a 26-mile marathon at mile 17, they hit the wall, right? And so that wall is the 40%. And Navy SEALs say, when you feel it, when you feel the pain, when you feel the anguish, when you say, I'm done, you're only at 40%. You've got 60% left to give. But you have to fight past everything in your mind and body that says, no, I don't. And you'll be surprised that you do. And that's how the Navy SEALs become Navy SEALs. They don't quit when they're done. How many Christians think they've given 100% and they're only at 40? Come on, American Christianity. I wonder if we're at 20. Really, are we loving God with our whole heart, our whole soul, our whole mind, our whole strength? Are we giving Him everything we've got? I think this nation would be different if we were. Are we giving Him all we've got that when we lay our head on the pillow we go, whoo, God, I can't give any more, but I'm going to get back up and study Your Word. I'm going to get back up and begin praying. Come on, there's 60% left in us. And I think God said that, and that's what He meant when He gave us 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you that's not common to man. God's faithful. He'll not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, He'll also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So the temptation, you think, I'm broken, I can't handle it. Jesus says that's 40%. Give me 60% more. How many of you have been through something you never thought you could make it through, but you got through? Because Jesus knew you had 60 more percent to give. Come on, do you think Jesus thinks you lack? He put his spirit in you, which is called dunamos. I swim laps at, uh, at the pool, and, and, and I go in thinking, if I don't, I, I don't want to swim a half mile today, maybe I'll swim a quarter mile. And I, I'll go that quarter mile, it's like, ah, I, I could do a few more, come on. And then I push a little more, then i got to push a little more, and then I push more until I can hit my goal. you got to push past what your limitation is. I can't take any more! I'm here to tell you, you can. And I'm here to tell you, you can give more. Because love is demonstrated in giving. Are we giving? all that we can and i'm not just talking about money i'm including money because jesus used money as a measure of people's commitment didn't he time and time again y'all work for all your money we get that money he said you can't serve money and me i want 100 percent of you i don't want 80 percent of you and you give 20 percent to getting money Either I'm all of it or nothing. And when you serve him instead of money, he'll be your provider. He'll make it happen. And in this is an illustration. Uh, 
I don't want to be like the priests in Malachi. Malachi chapter 1, verse 8. You know what he said about the priests and their love and their devotion to him? Lame. Malachi 1.8, this is what he said. When, when you offer blind animals in sacrifice, isn't that evil? When you offer those that are lame or sick, isn't that evil? How about you give those to your city officials and your governors and see how well they like it? But that's what you're giving me. I wanted the best of your livestock. I wanted a lamb without spot or blemish. When God wanted the best, do you know what they had to do when they had to go out into the lambs, into the fields of who they owned? They would look at the lambs. They had to inspect the lambs because they were going to give God what? The best. No spot, no blemish. I'm sorry, let's not give them that one. That's got a spot. That's got a blemish. That one's got a scar. Remember it fell down the mountain the other day. We're not going to give him. Yeah, but he's lame. Let's get rid of him. Not to my God. We will not give that to my God. And see, good enough. We're under grace. And so many people think grace means good enough. He'll let it slide. That's what grace means. He lets it slide. That's good enough. That's good enough. You did your best. No, you didn't. I'm here to tell all of us. No, we haven't. Is anybody with me? Can we get raw and get on this thing right? We have not given God his, our best yet. We've not. And I want to. I so passionately want to give Him more. I want to give Him all that I have. I want to be exhausted. I want to find my mind exhausted, my soul exhausted. But here's the amazing thing is when you move into that realm and into that mode, operating out of His Spirit, you don't get exhausted because He is the one who propels you. And you begin moving in a realm of the Spirit that's awesome. Paul said, I labor with all his might, but I work hard at it. That's what Paul said. And so the, the priests of Malachi, God's saying, why are you giving me your worst? And so they had to inspect. They had to review the lambs. They had to make sure that they gave the best. How many of us are reviewing what we're giving to God? Have you taken inventory? Are you giving the best tithe and best offering you can? Check it out, or is it lame? Now, I don't review your giving. That's between you and Jesus. Thought about maybe having a little buzzer that when you put your money in the offering, a light would go on. <laughs> lame. <laughs> Not going to do it. Just kidding. Are you loving others? Are you giving others the patience and the time they deserve? The waitress got my order wrong again. Really? Can't you get it right? By the way, here's a track. I follow Jesus. Waitresses hate Christians. They, they're so cheap. And they're so hard on everybody. I get that from the testimony of waitresses. But really, are you inspecting? Are you inspecting every effort you give because as paul said in word and deed do everything unto christ jesus so we have to review and see are we giving our best or have we hit the 40 percent wall let's go further let's go further are you with me let's go further i'm excited to go further and when i think of navy seals i think of this story turn to second samuel 23 will you 
2 Samuel 23. That's before Kings and Chronicles in the Old Testament. 2 Samuel 23, verse 13. 2 Samuel 23, 13. These are David's Navy SEALs. They're called the mighty men of God, the mighty men of valor. These guys were like superheroes, man. When you read the list of what these guys did, they were amazing military fighting machines. Navy SEALs. They understood sacrifice. I think they understood that 40%. When they hit 40%, they said, come on, bring it on. Bring it on. They wouldn't quit at 80, wouldn't quit at 90. They wouldn't quit based on how they felt they were done when the job was done. How many of you love people like that? I love people like that. I can't, I can't do something half complete. I need to finish it. Amen? All right. 2 Samuel 23, 13. Uh, and three of the 30 chief men went down and came about harvest time to David at the cave of Adullam when a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. David was then in the stronghold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then at Bethlehem. And David said longingly, Oh, that someone would give me a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem that's by that gate. And the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, and they carried and brought it back to David. But he would not drink of it. He poured it out to the Lord and said, Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Shall I drink the blood of the men who went at risk of their lives for me? Therefore he would not drink it. These are the things the three mighty men did. Consider the story here. Their king, the one they follow, their ruler, they devoted their lives to, their hiding out in the caves because the Philistines have encamped in their area and encamped around Bethlehem where David was born. And David remembers the well that he used to drink out of at Bethlehem. Bethlehem's a small city. Some of you have been in Bethlehem. You've served at the church that we serve in in Bethlehem. Small city. Walk a couple streets and you're in Jerusalem. It's right there. So they're encamped and, and, and David's sitting back and it's hot and muggy like it is today. They're all hot and sweaty, and David's looking out of the cave, stuck in a cave. These three mighty men are, I don't know, whittling. What do mighty men do? I don't know. Chew rocks. And David's just going, man, what I wouldn't give for a cup of cold water from the well of Bethlehem. I love this. He wasn't asking anybody to do anything. But these three guys look at each other. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I'm thinking that they wink. They're the A team. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they don't, they don't have to do this. You know? And they think, you want to do it? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. You know what we got to do? Break through the ranks of the Philistines. Yep. Sounds like fun. Come on. All stealth-like, these guys go, and they make it a mission. And they're going, and they're undercover, and they're breaking through. These Philistines are big, ugly, gruesome guys, and they're breaking through. They see the well, and they're making it. They know that they may have to give their lives. They may have to kill. They may have to fight. All for one thing. What's the one thing? Glass of water. 
cup of water for our king. You know, it wasn't a major battle. It wasn't anything else. It was something that the king wished for. And they went and they got it. And they're having to draw the water up real quiet. Shh, shh, shh. I imagine they're going, come on, get this done. I'm getting it done. Shut up. Come on, do it. This way. Come on, go to cut The guy's sword falls. Come on, shh, shh. What are you doing? They get the water. They get up. Okay, don't spill it. Don't spill it. So they're walking and they're coming back. And you carry it for a while. And they're carrying the water. They come back and they said, David, nah, for you. Do you know that Jesus wants the lost saved? What is a cup of refreshing water to him is a church that will do his bidding. He said, I've tasted of your works. It's neither hot nor cold, but it's lukewarm. <laughs> Somebody bring me a cup of cold water. Is there are mighty men, mighty women who will serve the Lord Jesus Christ and bring him a cup of cold water? They brought it back, and David then takes that water. It's transformed beyond the water now at the well of Bethlehem. Now he says it's the blood of my men, because my men would have given their lives in love and devotion for me. This is now sacred. And so anything you do for Christ Jesus is sacred unto the Lord God. It matters And he took that cup of cold water. And what did he do? He poured it out. And he said, I can't drink this. It's become so sacred. This is the lives of the men who serve me. And I will offer it unto God. To God be the glory. We come together on Sunday. We worship and we celebrate all the cups of cold water we've given to Jesus all week long. Yesterday, I served the Lord Jesus by talking to a stranger. The the day before, I served Jesus by helping a crippled person. The day before, I gave a phone call to somebody else. The day before, I went to the hospital to visit. The day before, I wrote a note to somebody. It seems small. It's just a cup of water. But to the Lord, it's sacred. It's holy. You've done the thing that refreshes Jesus Christ. He wants a church that'll serve Him cold water. In fact, it says... In Matthew, whoever, whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he's my disciple, I say to you, but he will by no means lose his reward. Not lukewarm water, cold water. You know what that means? He he specifies cold water. It means it's immediate. Do we really need to wrestle in prayer as to whether we should do something good for somebody? Lord prompts you to witness to them. And then you, so you figure, I need to pray. Really, do you want me to witness to them, Lord? Do we need to pr- The water's getting warm. You really need to pray whether you should witness to somebody. Do we need to pray whether we should do something good for somebody? Not at all. It's cold. Fresh off the tap. When the Holy Spirit says, go, guess what you do? Go! I'm giving 100%. Not giving 70. I'm not stopping at 40. 
and you're not going to lose a reward. You see what that says? Just like David, this water became a reward. This water became precious. This water became valued. Every tiny little thing you do for somebody in Jesus' name, because he said, you're my disciple, even if you bring a kid, a little kid, a cup of cold water, it's got eternal value that you will be rewarded for. Come on. Somebody say amen today. value in the simplest things I want to give him everything Paul put it this way Paul said in Acts 20 35 in all things I've shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus said how he himself said it's more blessed to give than receive Paul said I demonstrated this to you I worked day and night. I made tents. I did everything I could so no one would pay me anything so that I could demonstrate how to live a Christian life. You work hard. Paul told the Thessalonians, you don't work, you don't eat. I need you to have a good work ethic. Christians, you have a good work ethic. You give 100% at your job because in word and deed, you're giving it all to Him. So when you go to work on time, Christian, follower of Jesus Christ, you show up on time. You work until they tell you it's your break. But you work and you work hard. Why? Because you're a Christian. And I want to tell you something. Every believer, I want to talk to the young people here. If you will do your job and do everything you do as under the Lord, giving it 100%, you will rise to the top. Because most of the world doesn't have a work ethic anymore. Nobody knows how to do hard work. But what's going to happen is, even the Christians, they're tick- they don't want to hear about your Jesus, they don't want you to do it, but your boss wants you on the job because you're a believer. Because the work ethic of believers is better than everybody else. It better be. Because you give 100%. You don't give a cheap sacrifice to God. You don't give a lame sacrifice to God. When you're doing your work, you're giving 100% to God. It's all under the Lord Jesus Christ. So now, When you are working at your desk and answering phones, it is sanctified. It's holy. Hello, can I help you please? They go, wow, what's up with you? I'm a follower of Jesus. How can I help you? (laughs) Something different about you in the way you carry yourself and the way you act. Paul said, I proved it. I showed it to you. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And so we've got to give. We've got to give. And so we want to give our best to God. And so it's our duty and our delight. Say it with me. Duty and delight. It's our duty and delight to give unto God 100%. How many of you? Raise your hand 100%. How many of you? I got 80% of you raising your hands. Something's wrong. 100%. Right? All right. Next. Giving is to be regular, systematic, and according to a plan. That means you've prepared to give 100%. What we like to do is give when we feel the Holy Spirit telling us to. Sorry, I'm not feeling it right now. Ooh, I felt that. Okay, I guess I'm supposed to give. And then we argue with how much we're supposed to give. I'm saying that because I just went through this the other day. I did. Lord told me I, I just got some finance, and the Lord said, give it to somebody else. And it was like, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I thought this was my reward. <laughs> I said, give it. 
But I, I have learned that when I do that, the blessings multiply. And in obedience, you give. So be ready for it. People say, oh, I've given 100%. You don't understand how much I've given. I've suffered through for Jesus and gotten through. That's because most of the time we're suffering through is because of the problems we got ourselves into instead of a work of faith and planning to give. How many of you are ready to give today? Ready to give today? Sometimes we pray in the morning, my wife and I, well, we pray every morning, but sometimes in the morning when we pray, we say, Lord, give us or pour into us what we're going to need to give to somebody today. So you, you ask for your supply first thing in the morning. And so then when something comes up and you see it, you're ready to give it because you already asked for the supply for it. Amen? A sacrifice by faith. You're prepared. You're ready. It's a sacrifice. It's not because someone took it from you. It's because you laid it down. 100%. And it's not lame. It's 100%. Right? Giving is to be voluntary, not compulsory, not reluctantly, but cheerfully. And I'm talking about all realms of giving, of your time, of your effort, of your thoughts, of your heart, of your soul, of your spirit, of your mind, and your strength. 100%. That's what God wants, a people who give 100%. Why? To glorify God and enjoy Him. It is more blessed to give than receive because in the giving, you're giving Jesus. And in the giving of Jesus, you're receiving Him. Does that make sense to you? You're experiencing Him. There is nothing like it. Nothing like it. And that's how God says, love me with all that you have. What American Christianity has done is we've made loving God an, a, a feeling. I love Jesus. I love him. I love Jesus' music. I've got Jesus' t-shirts, and I love Jesus. I play Jesus' music in my car. So I love Jesus. Does anybody else benefit from that? Your loving of Jesus better be on display. It better be going forth and moving out. But I'm tired after work. Is that your 40% wall? Go further. Go further. How are we going to win this world to Christ? How many of us know that this is the generation that's going to fulfill and complete the Great Commission? You ever thought of that? Did you ever realize when Jesus said go into all the world to complete the Great Commission, he had an expectation it will be done? We don't live like that. Why not we start living as if we're going to finish it? Come on, isn't that awesome? We're on the tail end of this thing. We're at the end where we're going to see all the nations hear the gospel. It's going to be preached because it's a church that's not lame. It's without spot. It's without blemish. It went past the 40% wall. It's going into 80-90, giving 100%. And we are a people. It's time for us to evaluate our love for God and how much we're giving to others in His name. And we are pouring out, no longer conforming to this society, but we're going to evaluate our devotion to God and give Him 100%. How many of you are with me? Stand with me. Come on. Praise God. A hundred percent. God wants a hundred percent from you. Should I expect a hundred percent from you? Should your mate expect a hundred percent from you? Then how about we all try? Amen? Shall we do it? 
then this becomes radical Christianity. This becomes something other than what we've witnessed and seen over our lifetime. This means we're going to turn the corner. And we're going to create and move into a Christianity that's written of in the Scriptures. How many of you are with me? Lift your hands up to the Lord. Hallelujah.